hello, and welcome to the Arnithology, the unofficial Arnold Schwarzenegger podcast, as we always say. I am Ben Hyten. And I am Alex Belletti. This time around, we watched, I think, The Terminator. Say, the Terminator. Yeah, The Terminator. Yeah. yeah. What's safe to say? Go on. The classic 1984 film, The Terminator. Classic. I yeah. The word masterpiece kept going on in my head, actually. Right. And I think, I, I think it's fair. And we'll see why. You'll see why. Written and directed by James Cameron, if I'm not mistaken. And there is someone else who wrote it with him. Um, oh, is it Gail Ann Heard? I think that's right, yeah. That was yeah. his wife. Okay, well, there you go. And the writing credit at the beginning is written by James Cameron with Gail Ann Heard. Fair enough. Uh, for those of you that haven't seen it, I mean, probably don't listen to this because we're going to spoil it all, but it is the story of... A woman called Sarah Connor, who is targeted by a robot from the future called the Terminator, who comes back in time, and at the same time, a member of the future resistance called Kyle Reese, sent there by Sarah Connor's future son, John Connor, is sent back to protect her. And what follows is a cat and mouse game as this unstoppable cybernetic organism, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, tries to hunt and kill Sarah Connor. Really good. It's so easy when you, when you know yeah. the film inside yeah. out. That's it. That's great. That's it. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. Really, really, go watch it. Um, but don't, if you hate sci-fi, don't bother. Well, it's interesting because it is a science fiction movie, but I really felt watching it this time, um, it has a lot more in common with the horror movies that were being made in the 80s. I was just about to say that. This is one but, of the few things that I think is sci-fi horror properly not as supposed to you know gore for example that you see a lot of nowadays that's it's a, still it's a, put in the sci-fi horror genre and it's not really it's but it's a stalker movie really isn't it and and if yeah. you if you take yeah. out arnold schwarzenegger and put in jason or freddy krueger or something like that's that, what it's it not is. that different. maniac no, cop it uh, sort agreed. of reminded me of. so if you could argue it's techno horror or whatever but it's a sci-fi horror fine um also uh you could say techno paranoia or whatever technological paranoia film that's what it is well how about this and a love story i think james cameron kind of knowingly tried to invent a subgenre with this film tech noir ah, the name of lovely the name of the club so lovely and actually just on that that yeah the name of the club in one of is one of the sort of arguably it's a key, key, scene, it's a key yeah. scene but also it's a piece of cinematic history you know mm. that just the way that whole whole scene is done and especially the ending come with me if you want to live that whole bit and i hope that we get to it and that we don't sound like we're clutching at straws here but that i would argue that this film is littered with easter eggs and clues all sorts of things like that i might be you know being a real geek here but just like you said tech noir the name of the club that's not an accident it's not no it's not and we obviously have to get on to arnie and um, how great he is in this, how iconic he is. But I do, I do want to just take a couple of minutes to talk about some of the the reasons that it is a standalone great film. It's the arrival not only of Arnold Schwarzenegger, movie star. It is the arrival of James Cameron, amazing filmmaker. Yeah. And the difference in quality between the there's a lot of action scenes in this. The difference in quality between the action in this. And in the Conan films is so marked. And 
this wasn't a big budget movie. It mm. works within the constraints of its budgets very, very well. But what it has going for it is brilliant sound design and brilliant editing. It, whenever there's a, an action beat or anything, Cameron and his editor are really following the two-second rule. It's like you change yeah, perspective yeah. every couple of seconds. I was going to say. Yeah. And one of the only... I didn't make very many notes on this at all, no, but one I of the did. only notes that I made was... I've already said how many times I've seen this movie. There were still moments where I found myself clutching my shirt or clutching the side of the chair, and I can't imagine what it must have been like to go into a cinema in 1984 having no idea what you were seeing and see this because I think it's so different from anything else that was around yeah. at the time. I mean, it's on a par with Alien, which is another classic. And if we're going to say it's sort of sci-fi horror, definitely, you know, that's the same thing. And Alien goes down in history as one of the films that is terrifying, you know, in, in many ways. And I was genuinely gripped by this, even though I knew pretty much every beat. Um, I had actually forgotten, you know, mega spoiler coming right now. Sound the spoiler collapses! <laughs> Right at the end where he's kind of, the Terminator's blown up. And essentially he's not blown up. It looks like he's blown to, to bits, literally to bits. But he's not. He's kind of blown in two. And yeah. his top half is severed from his bottom half. And he's crawling along with his, his torso. And they're kind of equal, him and Sarah Connor at this moment. Like they both have the similar injury. They can only really crawl. And I, that, that moment when you see the torso just start crawling, I had completely forgotten about it. I totally thought that that was the end. Like, he it's blew up great, and that's the end. Yeah, it's a great jump scare. But it is. The way it just keeps... That's the... the I'm going to be all over the place here. But Don't worry, man. I've got the way that it good. keeps it keeps going after her, it keeps going yeah. after her. And very early in the film, James Cameron sets up the rules and he sticks to them. This thing will not stop ever until you are dead. And... The time travel rules as well. You yeah. can't go back. There's no going back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl Reese knows he's pretty much on a suicide mission. I mean, it's not just, it's, it's so great that you jump there. I mean, don't worry about being all over the place because there's just, there is so much. This film is layered like that. It's structured like that. It's been thought about. You know, you're in good hands. It's the second you start uh, with the opening sequences, we've got Carl Reese coming, uh, sorry, you've got the Terminator coming back from the future in this sort of electrostatic thunderstorm bubble he arrives and just sticking on structure the parallels between the way the terminator arrives establishes himself get some clothes get some weapons and the way that carl reese arrives yeah. it is the one of the greatest bits of character exposition i'd say they're being themselves and the way that they go about the exact same task they both have to find sarah connor they want to do different yeah. things to her carl reese is john connor's father so yeah so that it's excellent the way that those they're paralleled, those two sequences, and they're cut according to that structure you just identified. The beats. Every beat is perfect. Along with yeah. the scoring. There's no there's no fat on it at all. And I think the the thing that you're talking about is two things really that you know, James Cameron has his detractors, but I think he's a, a brilliant filmmaker for two reasons. He's very good at showing character through action which is what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, something that I'm a big, big fan of. And he understands how to structure and pace something. And mm. he's not afraid to just take massive chunks 
and tear them out because he realizes that they're not necessary. We got this lots is a, to say about the structure. I have to say, there's loads here. We're going to have to keep is, going into it's it. It's such a lean yeah. film. It's yeah. like 100, 105 minutes, something like yeah. that. And it just moves. But that's not to say that you don't, you learn a lot about Sarah Connor in the, in that first half an hour. The first half an hour of this film is perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. so well built. And it, I think it's no coincidence that Cameron's movies are built like machines. They're, they're very propulsive, solid things. So it's kind of wonderful that his breakthrough film was about yeah. a brilliantly built machine. Yeah. And, and you're, you're never sat there thinking, come on, move on. You know, not not at all. It, it, it's just excellent. This is the beginning of what I what becomes a franchise that arguably gets worse. It's the law of diminishing returns. Yeah, and I just want to put a note right up the top here because we will be looking at every single Terminator film as we go through this. Not every single Terminator film. Why are we doing Salvation? Me? Yes, we won't be doing Salvation. You're right. I keep forgetting about Salvation because Arnie's not in it. Because it's so forgettable. Yeah, but I think a lot of the things that we're saying about the way that this film is made and the quality of it, just as a movie, independent of the Terminator franchise, it really, there's something that's just so lacking by the time you get to Genesis that I I just want to make the note here so that I can say, hey, look, we said it earlier, you know, when we get up to Genesis, there's going to be a, there'll be a whole thing around why, because a lot of what we say today will justify the things that we've got to say about Genesis, because there are so many parallels. Well, intentional, yeah. Story-wise. I, yeah. I, I, I also, I think the big one that I want to put a pin in is Sarah Connor. There's been a lot made of how different her character was in Terminator 2, for good reason, I think, where Cameron took her is very interesting. In that, But what I really noticed this time watching Linda Hamilton's performance is, I think what Cameron was doing on Terminator 2, when he expanded her character the way he did, was drawing on moments from this. So obviously by the end she's a tough warrior, soldier, whatever. But what I'd never really picked up on it before is the moment under the bridge uh, where they're hiding out her and Carl Reese. It's late at night. She's talking to him about her son and the future and all of this. And she gets up and she screams at him. But not in a not in a bitchy, harpy sort of way. Like, all of a sudden you see, wow, she's actually tough underneath. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's throughout. I mean, we really see her whole kind of uh, transformation from uh, sort of nobody waitress uh, who's, you know, kids are putting ice cream into her apron and things like that. <laughs> and she's having a real tough time. Uh, I love that line, by the way. That well the done, kid. <laughs> I should give you the tip. That's it. Yeah, I ought to give you the tip. Um, and, um, and you know, she's she's her life is kind of a bit, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And she's a nobody, basically. She's not she, the saviour of the human race, you know. She uh, just got stood up. Yeah. And so, again, there is so there's so many little things that go on with Sarah Connor's character development. I mean, we've talked about how, you know, I think this is a masterpiece. I hope that I can actually convince you that it is, even though you sort of went, eh. At the end, one of the reasons I want to do no, that. No, no, no. Did you? <laughs> I, I was surprised oh. that you oh, you're said saying it's masterpiece. I thought you I were going to have. I would never have said this if somebody had told me before this right, viewing okay. that Terminator is a masterpiece. I would have gone, well, all right, it's a good movie, but come on, look at what it is. It's a sci-fi horror thing, and like not many people are going to like it um, because of the content. But in terms of the film and the structure, the attention to detail is extraordinary in this. The in- attention to the structure 
when they they're in this sort of car chase and they both crash and there's a ton of police Sarah Connor and Carl Reese were in one car and the Terminator is in another. They both crash to the point where their vehicles can't move anymore. And the police are right behind them, like a massive group of cops, like 10 mm. or 20 cars. And up to this point, it's kind of like, as a viewer, we, we know that these guys are from the future. We're not in doubt really about that. But everyone else is. And that sort of, I'd like to hear your comment on this really if I'm going to make one criticism, not a criticism, it's maybe an alteration, just a thought, like what, what would happen if they'd done it this way? At that moment, when they get caught by the cops and she says, no, don't, they'll kill you, don't don't leave the car. The camera goes to Arnie's vehicle, the Terminator's vehicle, and you see it's empty, he's gone. Yeah. And we don't quite know why. But up until this point, Carl Reese has been trying to convince Sarah Connor that this is a thing, right? There's a Terminator from the future come after her. Um, you've got to get on board. And he does it with such gravitas and menace. You're kind of thinking, you know what? Even if she's not convinced, she's going to stick with this guy because the other guy took like, you know, 10 shots with a shotgun and he got up again. So this guy's safer than the other guy. So all being on her own. So no matter what, she's convinced. Now, the Terminator's gone. And at that moment, I'm like, really? Like, what's his deal? Like, can't he just fucking take out all the cops and just kill everyone? And, you know. But then I realized that in terms of storytelling and structure, he's gone off to make repairs. His eye's damaged. That's right. Yeah. He, he's, he's lost part of his skin. His, his arm is damaged. And if he's going to complete his mission, he's more likely to be able to do it if he's not going to get noticed as some robot, basically, as, as, a, as a cyborg. It was at that moment when sort of they get taken away, they get arrested, and they're talking about what this thing is. And it's the first time that we actually really see this guy is a cyborg like he's not some dude from the future and i think that depending on your frame of mind going in you could be in doubt you certainly know that arnie's wants to kill sarah connor you're not so certain that carl reese is like there to protect her right no but i see uh it's uh, quite smart what they did what cameron did because he has the cops give justifiable reasons why arnold was able to do what he was what he did yeah. to Sarah Connor to convince her that Kyle Reese is crazy. So they they show her body armor and they said that's how he managed yeah, to take yeah, all the shotgun blasts. Yeah, yeah. He was on PCP and he wouldn't mm. have felt that he broke every bone in his hand when he yeah. smashed the window. So you're right. There's nothing superhuman that Arnie has done at this point. So yeah, you're right. Actually, when you, we see him repairing his arm and he's got the yeah, yeah. pneumatic <clears throat> pneumatic tendons. Uh, and he cuts his eye out, and we see the red glowing lens, and yeah. then he, it is a reveal of sorts to the audience. Yeah, yeah, and and it's just in case you haven't got it now, right? That's what the kind of thing is like. But, but also, no, but the we timing we take perfect. that we take yeah. all that for granted because yeah. we've had this film for thirty years. Yeah, but at the time, you would have had to convince your audience actually. Yeah, yeah agreed. And and if you've identified with the principal character, you're going to be in doubt, Sarah Connor. Like yeah. you, you're gonna you're gonna be in doubt if you've identified with her. You're gonna think like, what would I do in that situation? You know, what, would I believe him? Would I? Again, that's just one point at which it so that reveals the the depth, the way that he thought about the structure, and again, what we're seeing as audiences. And on that note, the kind of the thing that I wanted to say about well, what if they'd done it this way? Was what if they'd cut it sort of without all the future bits? You know, because we do have a moment mm -hmm. where Carl Reese is going through some kind of PTSD moment where he's imagine remembering a future battle that he had had, yeah. or past battle in his case. And we see the future and what it's like and how, you know, how brutal it is. I'm just imagining 
up until the point where it's really just the cops are kind of out of it and there's no more doubt it's literally just the terminator chasing sarah connor and carl reese there are little there are clues that really show us like that carl reese is definitely from the future but i was wondering if you cut out all those future bits do you think it could sort of up the ante on the kind of the doubt the techno paranoia thing the whole kind of and so yeah, do you see what but, i'm saying but I th- mm, yes i do but i think it's difficult to say because obviously the film isn't done that way i think it would make subsequent events in the film more ridiculous or less believable i should say yeah, we, the, yeah. the audience needs that future stuff so that we know we know who carl reese is at least yeah you know we know that he's for real what you're talking about is almost creating more of a paranoid thriller for the first half. That is what I'm talking about. And I just wanted to pose it to you to say, like, how would that work? And I think your response means that, yeah, it wouldn't, because we've got to be on board with the law of the of the movie. And if we're not, then you're right. I think it, it comes back to us as, like, ridiculous. And we don't want to have the same uh, ridicule that the cops and the psychiatrist have. Uh, yeah. of Carl Reese when he's talking about the future and he's screaming at the camera saying he'll never stop he's going to rip her fucking heart out you but know? that but that's you know that's not to say that it couldn't be done I think someone like William Friedkin or yeah William Friedkin would have gone that route and it, actually what you're talking about is very similar to what The Exorcist is which okay. is if you believe that this is demonic possession then yeah. that's what it is yeah. if you believe that this can be explained away by science that's what it is. Okay. And Friedkin goes to massive pains in the first hour of The Exorcist to give you all of these back doors to say it's not demonic possession. It's it's this or it's that. It's totally explained. Yeah, and we and get none kind of that of, in this. That's the kind of film yeah. that you're talking about. It is. It is. It would make it a different film. You're right. But I think it's much more important for the tension for us to identify the characters and also for the franchise. I've got no idea if James Cameron intended at the beginning to do more films. He, well, no, it wasn't planned that way. Right, okay. He had ideas for this film that he couldn't afford to do or the effects weren't up to snuff. For instance, the T-1000, right. that idea was going to be in this film. Okay, cool. There was going to be no human character sent back. There was going to be an old Terminator, yeah. like the Arnold model is, and a liquid metal one that was the Hunter. Oh, but the special effects weren't up to snuff at the time, so he made Carl Reese instead. Yeah, I think it ends up working better, especially for the continuation of the story. Because it does, and I'm so glad that they didn't attempt those effects either. Because yeah, yeah, it would have been awful. When we got those, you know, seven years later, they were mind blowing. Yeah, uh, and the CG well was practically non-existent in '84. '84. Yeah, so in order for us to be on board with the rest of the franchise, regardless of whether or not Cameron had intentions to do other films, I think it's really important that we are on side with Sarah Connor from the beginning that we're not in doubt about her perception of events that way that when you have other characters ridiculing her you know especially a, a lot more in um in T2 and she ends up in a in an insane she's asylum. the crazy one yeah, yeah, she, yeah she's, she's in an insane asylum it's important that we don't doubt that as the audience i think it makes it much more believable when suddenly a terminator is there it's suddenly it's all kicking off again and we want to be along for the ride. We don't want to be doubting it necessarily. And so, right, good. Paranoid thriller off the table as far as I'm concerned. This film is fine <laughs> as it is. It didn't need it's, it. No, no, it, doesn't it, need it didn't. It, but... And, and I, I think all of that future stuff is, is, again, very admirable what he managed to do on the budget. And it is just a tease 
of you know it's just enough yeah. for you to buy into how miserable this future is once the robots have won so when we were saying when we were going to do this you said something about this film being loaded with techno paranoia basically about the future and about so not necessarily making it a paranoid thriller but what was it that you had said about that well it's it's one of cameron's if you if you subscribe to auteur theory and say that a, a, a director or a writer's body of work should be taken as a whole there's a commonality through most of cameron's movies which is a fear of nuclear power a fear of an over-reliance on technology and uh, really a, a xenophobia towards technology a technophobia yeah um of what is the end goal of ai what is the end goal of this reliance on robotics and i think it's really interesting that he sets the climax of this film in a robotics factory because you see what the the standard in 1984 was yeah for the technology yeah and and you're seeing this machine looking around almost like you know, these primitive things you know yeah um where is that but if that's that that's nothing to do with Cyberdyne systems, is it? Well, that then becomes Cyberdyne it, it, systems. It is, actually. That, yeah, in Terminator 2, we find out that that was owned by Cyberdyne, and, and that's where they get the arm from. Okay. That Miles Bennett dies. That's and... was my assumption. That's how it continues, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting. There's And again, so there are, real, there are loads of clues about what you just said that are littered throughout this, and they're not, they're not even subtle, right? Uh, in uh, Sarah Connor's apartment with her flatmate, Ginger, Ginger. Yeah. She, uh, they're always aunt- listening to her Walkman. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> it's really cool. Like the whole, all the sequences with her are kind of, they're funny. They're really eighties, but they work. Um, and, she, and she's dating Slider from Top Gun. Oh, is that who that is? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rick well, we'll, we'll get onto notable appearances in a minute, actually, because right, there's quite okay. a few of them. Uh, but the, uh, her answer phone message is, is excellent. Hi there. Hello. Yeah. And then it's like, ha ha ha, fooled you. You are talking to a machine. Yeah. But don't be shy. Machines need Machines love too. Need love too. Yeah. So talk and blah blah blah. She's saying, yeah. Ginger it's, or I will get back to it's you. It's pretty pretty on the nose that. Yeah, from it's pretty on the nose. But then I was thinking, yeah, okay, it's a funny little thing, and it's not that. Uh, well, the first time we hear it, it's the cops trying to call her yeah. to say, hey, you know, uh, there's some psychopath going through the Sarah Connors in the phone book. Uh, he's already killed two. You're the third and last. So that's the first time that they have you know they they we hear the phone message but then the next time we hear it is um the terminator arnie has just gone to the apartment he's managed to find her address well from the phone book she's the last one in the phone book he's methodically working through the the three sarah connors you know kills the boyfriend kills ginger's boyfriend kills uh, ginger kills ginger you know thinking it's a woman a better better killer in case it's sarah connor and then sarah connor who's in tech noir hiding from Carl Reese, who's stalking her, calls her own home phone and leaves yeah. a message on this machine that needs love too. And thanks to that... That's machine, how Terminator finds the it. Terminator yeah. tracks her down. At that moment, the film could have ended had he not heard that voice message. No. He never, ever stops. Oh, right. So it wouldn't have ended anyway. You're right. He would he have just gone around. Stops. He would just find anyone called Connor, anyone called Sarah. So there's a lot in this about how machines are actually sort of a help, a hindrance, but also the undoing. And you see a lot of foreshadowing in this about that. I mean, it's loaded throughout. Arnie, when Arnie pulls up in a vehicle that he's stolen um, to uh, kill the first Sarah Connor, he he runs over a little toy truck, which yeah. is the exact same shape as 
a truck that he uses to run over them in the final sequence. And just the way that machinery and uh, technology well, when, is used is... When Carl Reese, yeah, on, on, his, his first night in 1984, decides to have a sleep in a car, some saviour he is, he dozes off to the sound of industrial machinery yeah. on a building site. And it, and in his dreamscape, this becomes the, the hunter-killers. Yeah, and that's the what triggers the it. Yeah, yeah. yeah and um, I think there's something really nice in that about how we're at the point where we're relying on robots for help, but he's from a place where, you know, that has completely flipped and robots yeah. are, are, are hunting us down. And that is kind of Cameron's whole thesis. That there, is it. Is, that, you're is, right, you is, summed it up. Be careful what you build, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and machines, even answering machines, will be your undoing. Yeah. Okay, that's the message. Um, so real, really nice. And um, no doubt that, that that's conscious. You know, there's no way that that's some kind of accident. Eventually, you know, she's she's worked it out. You know, she's understood that um, she's being chased by these guys. She's next in line. She's seen the news report saying all the Sarah Connors are dying. And you at first did, it was honey. a joke. Yeah. At first it was a joke. Like, oh, someone called Sarah Connor died. But then when the next one happened, she actually looks in the phone book and says, who's next? It's it's her. Right. That's the beginning of us seeing her savvy, but she doesn't know enough yet to be the Sarah Connor warrior mother, you know, that yeah. she becomes. Yeah, yeah. And you said it, it's really her story more than it is a story about the Terminator, the machines and things like that. Despite all the allegory that's going on, we're really witnessing what are the events that shaped this warrior woman's life? How did she turn from a waitress into the mother of the savior of the human race, or even the savior herself, because she trains John and teaches him everything yeah. she knows. And it's kind of an, un it's an unbelievable story, right? But when we see the events that forge her, we're like, yeah, you know what? That, that really works. And we well, see her move from shouting and screaming like a scared woman to uh, the line is when Carl Reese is, is, you know, really beaten up in the, in the factory at the end. Get up, soldier. You know, she tries on it your once. Feet, on soldier. your feet, On your feet, soldier. That's it. And she gets up. She, she musters that. And it takes Kyle Reese dying for her to, to take everything that she's learned from him. All she, all that he has taught her are the very simple rules that she needs to survive. Yeah. I, I, I love that, you know, that she's dead tough at the end and she's the, you're terminated fucker, you know, moment. Yeah. Uh, but I love in the bit after that when she's heavily pregnant and, and heading off to Mexico, just the simple thing that she's got a dog in the car with her. Yeah. And when I was younger, I always thought, oh, you know, the, she's probably called the dog Kyle because she needs a companion into the south or whatever. Yeah, but it's because it. the, they use dogs to sniff out Terminators. Yeah, so if they ever sent another... Yeah, and it, <clears throat> it's it's such a nice... He doesn't labour at all. You don't get a close-up of the dog looking around or anything like that. It's just there. Yeah. Uh, and I love that. All that she has done yeah. is is learnt to survive. That's it. And she's bought the basic rules. She's bought the basic premise. Yeah, she's, she's not, got the 357. She's, she's got the she's dogs. Not, she's beyond like, am I crazy? What's this about? She's just accepted it. And she's doing exactly what she has to do, given the circumstances. I think so it's, a, it's excellent. It is totally her arc. I get that. Mm. I agree with you. Isn't it interesting, though, that... You know, Linda Hamilton had a relatively successful career, but certainly not an A-list career. You say the Terminator, you think of one person. Um, wait, hang on. I'm talking about Lance Henriksen. Yeah, that, thanks. <laughs> hey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, is it 
too too premature to start talking about Arnie because we haven't really talked about him. No, and I I was just starting to feel we need to get onto it. Let's do it. Let's go through our normal usual structure. I'm glad well, we took some time out though to just to, just to really talk about how how well put together this movie is. And I don't think we can make that point enough. I think we have made it enough today, but um we I just really want to stress that. So if you're a movie lover, regardless of whether you're an Arnie complete completist, this is a this is definitely one of my top recommendations as yeah, far as that, you know, watching cinema goes. But even if you've seen it, you know, two or three times and you're thinking, Yeah, yeah, big news, Terminator's good, they're not telling us, I don't know. Go back and watch it again. Yeah. Watch it on blue. Because or obviously it's got the eighties hair and some of the eighties music. Yeah, it's just style. That. Get over but, it. But yeah, but beyond that, it really is a brilliantly constructed film. And I think anyone who hasn't seen it in a few years would be surprised how much it still has to offer, how exciting it still is Yeah, 30 years on. And there's a lot of films that are coming out now that I don't think we could say the same about in 30 years time. Agreed. So where's Arnie at at this stage in his career? Well, I felt when he comes through the time machine and he turns around... I felt like it was seeing him for the first time. Yeah. He's... Yeah, interesting. He's so perfectly cast as a machine. Yeah. And he does such a great job with it. His movement and that steely gaze. It's not the scowl that we've talked about that he's no, doing. It's, it's something different. And... It's it's acting. It's 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 just it's just yeah. brilliant. There's a there's a really great little retrospective on the Terminator, which is just Jim Cameron and Arnold Schwarzenegger, probably in the early nineties, sat in one of their front rooms talking about how they found each other for this film and talking about how Arnold was was supposed to move. And he said it was very important that he not, you know, move herky jerky. The whole point of his movement is the least effort to get to what he needs to do. So when he yeah. pulls a gun, his his hand and his arm and his eyes will move, but his head and his shoulders will stay still. Yeah, it was good. And it's only when he turns. And Cameron drew on the moment where Arnold is in a police car cruising through uh, different streets and in, a, in an underground car park and all this sort of stuff, scanning for Kyle and Sarah, who were together at that point. He said that Arnie came up with the idea of having his eyes move and then his head follow. And it really, it's an yeah, actually yeah. thing to do, but it does give him this sense of being just a scanner, just yeah, a, like shows, a CC, but like a CCTV camera. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah uh, it shows um, the machine-like efficiency. I mean, this is the first of his films that we're talking about that's on the IMDb top two hundred and fifty for one thing. So it's it's clearly still, still. A, a very yeah. well-regarded film. But I think it's easily his best performance to date, possibly his best performance ever. Um, I well, I'm, I I can't say that today. It's the perfect. It's, it's definitely the, the best performance today. Regardless. Yeah, it's the you know, and that's why we're doing this. We're going to review yeah. our opinions of this as we get to other films. But it's the perfect melding of a character and an actor. And it's not like James Cameron was looking for a giant to play this part. The original concept of the Terminator was an everyman, someone who would disappear in a crowd yeah. and would just come out of nowhere and kill you yeah. and you wouldn't know why. He could look like a homeless person. He could look like a bartender. Mm. All right, And that's probably more where the T-1000 was going. That's you it. Know, he yeah. can actually assume the, yeah. the physicality of something. But then 
it it struck him that if you had this metal frame that had to be, you know, sturdy and build flush on top of it, yeah. you'd end up with a pretty big dude. Yeah. Plus, Arnie looks scary in this. Yeah, you he know, does. <laughs> like, he does. It's very difficult to just imagine recasting anybody. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. I don't think that you can imagine other people as the same type of Terminator as a T-1000. Having said that, uh, the sorry, the T-800, excuse me. Yeah. The T-800 is supposed to be an infiltration unit, as Kyle Reese talks about it. So he's supposed to blend in, disguise with others, real flesh and blood on top of uh, a metal skeleton and you know CPU controlled. We're saying that, Okay, I'm saying nobody else could be a Terminator. The other person who's shown as a Terminator in this movie is yeah. Franco Columbu, Arnie's weightlifting mate, Arnie's bodybuilding mate. And another Mr. Olympian. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I think that what you're saying there about Cameron sort of getting on board with the idea of like having big guys be Terminators, I think kind of fits with that casting as well, you know. Um, do you know, do you know yeah. who the original choice for the Terminator was? No. O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson, oh my God. Imagine that. I wonder if we would even really know about the Terminator. I don't know. If if O.J. Simpson had been in it. Speaking of casting decisions, do you want to mention any notable appearances? I really like Linda Hamilton in this, by the way. Just talking about the principal cast. I I think she does a great job. I always fancied her when I was a kid. uh, Less so because of the poodle hair now, but... Um, but I, I really like her performance, and yeah. I, I really like Michael Biehn, even though I will allow he's probably not giving a great performance. But yeah, he's very—he's yeah. surprised he's, by some moments. He's very earnest, and I like how innocent he is. I never even picked up before this time around that he's supposed to be a virgin. Yeah, there's something about that that actually works, and so some of the excited, almost puppy energy, even though he's nuts, is like it fits with that. It fits with his naivete and. And the way that he relates to Sarah is like, and you can see that, okay, so the, when he admits that he, he traveled across time to be with her, you know, that he's in yeah. love with her, um, just from a photo and hearing John's stories about her, that's it. It says a lot and explains a lot about why he would come across as a nut or crazy. You, there's moments where you're wishing him to like, don't be so obviously insane, like play it cool, you know, and then maybe you'll get out of this and you could save her. But talking so blatantly openly about the future is like, Surely would John Connor not have told you, like, hey, by the way, you know, it's the 80s. Yeah, this yeah, is what's yeah. going to happen, you know. But I, I, I like the idea that he doesn't really know how to relate to... Anyone. <laughs> a, yeah, yeah. A, no, really anyone, yeah. but especially not a, a woman, no. because he's just used to being in battle. Yeah. And in that in that same scene, you know, he sat there with his, his shirt off, and she's sort of tenderly touching his shoulder, and she's saying, you know, did you have a woman in the future and that... And I love the way that he played it because she's embarrassed to be asking, but she wants to know. And he is just wide-eyed staring at her. He's just turned around and he's just staring at her because he doesn't know what that there's anything to be embarrassed about until he says, I love you. Yeah, and then he, he just got shit. Yeah, I shouldn't, shouldn't have said, said that. that. It's, yeah. it's really cool because her feelings are growing for him. I mean, it's well, he's a good, he's, yeah, he's good he's looking, looking guy. Uh, not so much that, but it's an intense situation and... He's saving yeah. her and all that stuff that goes with that. And when they when they find the motel to rest, they explicitly ask for a room with a kitchen. Sarah's like, he's like, okay, I'm going to go out and get supplies. And Sarah's like, uh, so, okay, what's for dinner? Genuinely thinking <laughs> that they're going to make dinner. Yeah. And he's pulling out all these ingredients to make nitroglycerin bombs. Pipe, you know? pipe bombs. Pipe yeah. bombs, yeah. That's 
that's where my mind went back to when you said, you know, he's basically teaching her like what you need to do and what you don't need to do is make nice dinners. You need to make pipe bombs. And that for me, again, is really neat character development, really neat way of saying this. These were the life experiences of this woman that created the warrior mother. But they're just doing the first part right. And what I'd like to see more is for filmmakers to say, I've got one story. I'm going to take out all the bits I don't need and I'm just going to tell one story. And if there's enough to do another one further down the line. But let's just tell one story well. And that's what Jim Cameron was doing. That's why I think it's important that when you said, was there a plan to do more films? No, there wasn't. Mm. And that's part of why The Terminator is so good. I agree. <laughs> um, let's put the best bits in here and we'll think about other good bits if we have to for later films. That's, you know, that's kind of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but um, oh, yes, anyway, no, notable, except, uh, uh, notable yeah. exception. Notable, notable exception. Yeah. Well, very early on in the film... Um, Two guys, actually. Yeah. One, I can't remember his name, but he was in the X-Files. Brian Thompson. That's the guy. Yeah, gets his heart ripped out, I think. Yeah. Um, But obviously, the great Bill Paxton plays one of those punks as well. Yeah, uh, it's so nice to see him. It was like, what? If you were ever doing what we're doing for Arnold Films with um, Bill Paxton, I think one of your regular features would have to be, does Bill Paxton die in this movie? Because (laughs) he's like, he is... To American films, what Sean Bean is, he nearly always dies in those films. Yeah. Um, and he dies in his only scene in this movie, so yeah. that's good. And he's, um, uh, you know, and he's not, there's nothing really to say about him. Just the fact that he's in it is interesting. Yeah, but, and he got to work with James Cameron and as a result yeah. got one of his most famous roles. He's part of uh, Hudson in Aliens. Uh, and he later appears with Arnie again in True Lies. Uh-huh. Well, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. I love Bill Paxton in True Life. He's, he's one of the best things about it, I have to say. Uh, my favourite Brian Thompson role is, uh, we've, we've mentioned the film before, in fact, just last week, uh, Cobra. He's the right. guy who's going, he just says the word pig about 50 times right, at yeah. the end. Hey, pig! You couldn't get me, could you, pig? Yeah. Which is just a couple, a couple years after this. You've he, also got Lance Henriksen in there. Yeah. He's, he looks uh, young. It's really funny. Yeah. yeah. He still looks old, though. Yeah, he's weird. Yeah, right. That's weird. Um, I, I like, you know, I like that he does a lot with a little. He's got a nothing part in this. But you get so much character out of him. He's always trying to tell Paul Winfield these... Uh, these is it Paul Winfield? Yes. Lieutenant right. Ed Schrexler. Yeah. Lance Henriksen's always trying to tell these stories about, hey, it reminds me of this guy and you once and Paul Winfield's always shutting him down. <laughs> he did, he yeah. does that one bit where so, he just goes, hey, shut up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's brilliant. There is the uh, pawn shop clerk. Oh, Dick Miller. Yeah, Dick Miller. I love that guy. Yeah. I saw him. Hey, I just, like, just, just what you see on the shelf, man. Now, what's he been in? Because I couldn't... Uh, he's in all of Joe Dante's movies. So he's in Gremlins, uh, all of that stuff. Gremlins is probably his, his Mr. Futterman. He's his most famous part. But he is one of those, hey, it's that guy, yeah, guys. Yeah, totally. He had, Now, in that scene with Arnie where he goes, he's like 45 long slide, Uzi 9mm. And he starts um, putting the shell in the shotgun. Yeah. He goes, hey, you can't do that in here. Wrong. That is very much an Arnie quip. I'm so glad you went on to it because that's... that I made... I, there were several moments where I'm like, here we go, you know, and last time I was like, we're just starting to see the beginning of the Arnie quip. And of course, this is the film where we first see 
um, the I'll be back. Yeah, and it you know why are you brilliant. shaking your head? Why are you... Because I, I I get the feeling that because it's used so well in this, I'm going to end up hating how it's used in later films. That's almost word for word the note I wrote, and it was it it is weird. It's the first instance. It's excellent, mm. and it's not comedy. It's not like let's make the robot say something funny. It's practical, and there's a moment where he's I guess his. He's in his hotel and he's looking through Sarah Connor's um, address book. <laughs> and I guess his flesh is rotting, right? And then, because uh, there's flies everywhere and the, the room stinks. And the, and yeah, well, the, there's, there's a rotten eyeball in the sink. Let's not forget. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So the janitor knocks on the uh, on the door or, or the, the super or whatever. He knocks on the door and says, Hey, man, you got a dead cat in there or something? And then Arnie turns to the door and you can see it from his point of view, the sort of red... Um, Terminator scanning system and a few like options come up of like how to, what to answer like hello and well, whatever <laughs> go away <laughs> go away and then I think the one he selects is go fuck yourself or asshole no, fuck or, you asshole or, yeah okay fuck you asshole and the guy just does go away and so it shows like this the Terminator is capable of he's a learning computer yeah he's a learning computer of Picking up colloquialisms, using the right phrases for the right situation, also mimicking voices, and uh, which is e- excellent. You know, it's showing us his skills. So when he says, "I'll be back," it's like that's the best thing to say right now. It's gonna not, you know, increase suspicion about my presence here. Right, I'm just going. I'm not just gonna walk away without saying anything. I'm gonna get a car and I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm well, gonna I just think crash it- through the thing. But I think and, it's even more than that, is that he goes in and it's like, he tries the softly, softly approach. Yeah. He says, where is she? I, yeah. I believe you have Sarah Connor yeah. here. I'd like to see her, please. Now, if the guy had gone, oh yeah, no problem. I'll just go get her. Brought her to the, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? The desk. He would have just whipped out his gun and shot her right there. Yeah. And probably shot the cop for good measure and walked away. You know, yeah. mission accomplished. But because the guy wouldn't let him through, it's like, well, I'll give you a chance, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. And so, but I'll be back is, it's part of that menu selection thing. That's what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. And fuck you, asshole. Exactly. What'd you say to me? <laughs> yeah. oh, fuck shit. you, pig. <laughs> oh, I picked the wrong one. Um, I smell bacon in here. <laughs> <laughs> so I I wrote the same note because you're right. It works. It works on so many levels. It works for those geeky reasons that I just said about it. You know, he's a Terminator. He's making selections and what to say and. I'll be back seems to be an appropriate thing to say. It's kind of cool as well, and it just works. Every time it's used afterwards, it's like, is he really going to come back? Like, <laughs> is that the reason why he's saying it? And it's not in lots of the t- lots of the subsequent films we're going to see. He's just saying it because he just killed somebody, and or somebody's trying to say it's over, and he's like, no, it's not. I'm going to say my catchphrase now. I'll be back. It's It's borderline... I don't know the word for it. I don't know what to say now. It's... It's it's kind of ruined it for me now seeing the origin of it. Um, I think it's 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 interesting that it became a catchphrase from that moment because even Jim Cameron said uh, when the film started screening he was surprised that you know when he does that thing of looking around the counter and then he says it you know that there's mischief afoot but when he says I'll be back the audiences in '84 did laugh because they knew shit this guy's gonna get creamed somehow yeah like, yeah yeah. And sure enough, he does the least subtle thing possible and drives a car. What does Cameron through. say about it? But he he said like he 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 didn't mean it to be a funny moment, right? Uh, but then he realised that people were going to come back and see this movie again, and the laugh 
got even bigger because they would remember what was coming. Mm. Uh, I guess what that says is that this was such a, a sort of quiet and brilliantly judged moment in a very noisy, fast-paced film that audiences really took to it and they, they, they really embraced Arnold in that moment, mm. you know? Yeah. That's such a that's such a strange thing, but these these things crop up sometime where the accidental thing becomes the thing that people remember the most. I mean, the original line wasn't "I'll be back," by the way. It was "I'll come back." Okay, I can't imagine that would have caught on at all. I'll come back. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. come back. It's certainly not a catchphrase you can repeat. Ding dong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the the uh, the swordman comes out and he's swishing his sword around and. Indiana Jones just shoots him. Yeah. That was done because half of the crew had dysentery and diarrhea and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, and it um, wasn't Harrison Ford ill as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So they, they couldn't do this three-day action sequence that they planned. It's the most iconic moment in the film, arguably. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's excellent. You know? So and these workarounds, if you want. But that that's not what this was. This was Arnie fluffing no, the line? but it was supposed to be a very throwaway moment. Okay, was, okay. You know, and it became this really iconic thing. And... It, what's even more curious is it's not a scene that I particularly think about when I think about this film. I no. do think about, you know, uh, the action sequences and and Carl Reese explaining what the techno is. Man. I think of techno every time, especially even that little, the yeah. last little Uzi bit that, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. I missed a bit. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like I just <laughs> I just need to spray that guy with a few more bullets. <laughs> like, I see a mouse. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so it, I mean, we've, we've, I think we've talked enough about I'll Be Back, but we're going to be talking about it a lot more. But to, to, just to see how it evolves, because I think outside of, you're right, outside of the Terminator franchise, it, it doesn't feel organic at all. And I think actually in his best films, outside of the Terminator franchise, are probably the ones that he doesn't say it in. Yeah, and so we'll be keeping a lookout for it. I want to be keeping a lookout for the times when it works, because yeah. our assumption is that it's not going to. It's going to be the moment where... Arnold Schwarzenegger's talking as opposed to whatever character he's playing. Yeah, the illusion of cinema is broken at that yeah. moment. You mentioned the Uzi. And yeah. I want to, I wrote it down in my list of Arnie staples. We've got the Arnie scowl. The Arnold Schwarzenegger Arnold scowl. Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. scowl, or the pass. The patented Arnold Schwarzenegger scowl. Violence, certainly here. Uh, yeah. Quips. Yeah. Uh, inventive kills. That goes along with violence. Yeah. Not necessarily... However, there is an iconic kill, and I think it's the wrong Sarah. She's credited as wrong Sarah. The first Sarah Connor he kills. Sarah Connor? Yes! It's iconic. I mean, <laughs> it's the amount of times that we went over that and repeated that as kids. I mean, <laughs> we knew it as kids. Like Even the yeah. kids that hadn't seen it yet, or whose parents weren't, wouldn't have let them see it, or whatever, we were still playing it out and rehearsing it. It was always, I get to be the Terminator now, and I'm going to kill you. I like how, how how brutal that scene is as well. I forgot that he shoots her six times. Like she's clearly dead. She's shot yeah. from two feet away. Just in he case. He just puts an extra five in her just yeah. in case. And he does it to um it does it to Ginger as well, doesn't he? I'm sure he shoots her a bunch of times. Or yeah, maybe it's he, the second Sarah. It's not just once. No, he shoots her in the back and then again when she's down. Yeah. Quips. I mean, the only one that works are two, actually, and they're not necessarily post kill quips. But it's um it's again. It's the gunsmith or the pawn shop owner. Uh, Wrong. He, yeah, you said you can't do that. Wrong. We've we said that already. And uh, it's get out, get out. Just oh, and, when he gets in the truck. Yeah, yeah, get out. And again, I think that would have been a moment that the eighties audiences would have liked as well. And yeah, there's yeah, a kind yeah. of 
And so regardless of what anybody is saying up to this point and on his career about his acting ability or whether he's wooden on screen or... And I think there's a lot of xenophobism, xenophobism, I guess, about this kind of Eastern Bloc sensibility, I'd say, to be very general and generic. And I think that it's the Cold War, right? This is in the 80s. We're at the height, arguably, of the Cold War. It's oh, getting yeah. getting pretty tense, and um, I think there's a lot of mistrust of still, you know, of commies and and reds and even you know Germans, and I'd I'd say they're just yeah. I mean, of... we, we all we all thought that Arnie was Russian when we were yeah. yeah so there's a may, lot of... maybe because of red heat, yeah. but I think your average um, Joe Schmo American probably would have thought German or Russian. But there's always that idea of like that they're they're mechanical, they're efficient, yeah. they're yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and so I think it's it's really well cast in that sense that even though it's wrong to say that about Arnie. Even just watching the films that we've seen, you know, he's, he comes across as charismatic. He's got a presence. He's charismatic. Yeah. He can be funny. Yeah. And just looking at him in Pumping Iron, you, you see on Schwarzenegger, he's an interesting man in that sense. And I, I do think that that's coming across in those moments. And I think that's why audiences are warming to him because of his charisma, not necessarily his acting ability. And again, it's, t- it's, it's timing as timing, well. Timing, well directed, all that stuff. Yeah, so um, that's, but what I'm saying is that. This is why it's an Arnie note more than it is a film note. Yeah. And it's saying that all those elements of why his, it just, if he wasn't already an up and coming star, this catapulted him to stardom. All these elements were working for him. Yeah. Those. And I, and I, I think although he'd had a couple of hits, I think this, apart from the fact that it's a great movie now, I really think it really is just the perfect role for him because he hardly speaks. You know, we've we've said most of his lines over the course of this recording. Yeah. <laughs> um, without, you know, damning with faint praise in a way, without belittling him by saying this, he is there to look good and to move mm. well, you know. And so it's just, it's right. And audiences totally latched onto this. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that you brought up the get out moment because I remember seeing the same moment sort of played in... T2 mm. and Robert Patrick says it when he goes into the helicopter yeah. you know I was 10 or 11 when I saw T2 when it had just come out more innocent times we weren't as media savvy we didn't have the internet I wasn't a subscriber to a film magazine or anything like that all we had was the movies to watch over and over and over again on VHS yeah. and that moment was iconic enough and memorable enough mm. that you got it straight away age 10 I got it when Robert Patrick said it in T2 yeah you get the you reference know? yeah I've got a geeky note here I just want to say. And again, it's just one of those moments that really shows uh, James Cameron's so sort of playing with us and, and nodding to us and saying, look at all these techno techno things, which is uh, Carl Reese is being questioned by the psychiatrist, right? really trying to get the story straight about, oh, yes, Terminator's from the future. And yeah, it's bad. And, uh, yeah, OK, tell me more about this time travel stuff. And he's he's more or less mocking him. And the doctors are asked, you know, who was the enemy again? And Reese says, a computer defense system built for... And then his pager goes off. The doctor's pager beep, beep, beeps. He silences it. That interrupting Carl Reese in, in mid-flow, it's like... I, I just had the thought that, right, again, it's machines intruding. It's like, that's deliberate. You don't... Why do you have a machine, a pager going off? Like, let him say the line and move on with the story. And so again, it's that little thing of saying, "This is how intrusive machines are." We stop. Yeah, it's, all, it's, we it's stop already begun. Yeah, yeah it's already and they're started. in control of us. And that's 
It's subtle enough. It's not, even though you could say it's on the nose. Even Carl Reese is delivering his warning, um, and we see it on video. We see it through a screen. Um, the recording of the, yeah, the, yeah. the end of that questioning that I was just referring to. He's shouting it direct to camera as well. He's not talking yeah. to any humans. He's talking to the camera. And so from Reese's perspective, he would have been looking up, shouting at a camera. And so I think there's a lot there about, about that. He's very conscious of it. And it ta- it takes us right to the end where he says, well, uh, you know, Sarah Connor's in the Jeep and a little kid comes and takes a photo and he says something in Spanish. And the word in Spanish is tormente or tormento and um it's it means storm but i like how it translates if you literally in english it means torment you know and we have that word i think it it really works to have it be in spanish first then in english because we've got that nuance of saying torment is coming you know and mm-hmm. the father or the, the gas station clerk translates for sarah and says a storm is coming she says i know i uh, the last couple of times i've watched the film the, the way that that beat goes is what did he say? And the gas clerk goes, he says a storm is coming in. And she goes, I know. And then drives off. And I always wanted the gas clerk to say two things. If you know, why did you ask? <laughs> and, hey, you didn't pay for your fucking gas, lady. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she pays the kids. She don't pay for the gas. She pays four bucks or whatever for her photo. For the photo, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just ruined your. Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, I think it's philosophical just, uh, point there. No, it's hysterical. It's a good point. And that photo happens to be the photo that um, John Connor is the. It's the photo that John Connor falls in love with. It's a nice no, way. Kyle, of, Kyle falls in love. With. Yes, not John Connor. <laughs> that John Connor gives to Kyle Reese. Uh, yeah, and that shot at the end is is amazing. Even though it's clearly you know a painting and. Matt painting. Yeah, yeah um, it's great. I think it, it really works. Any last things to say about Arnie Staples? I mean, I, I got onto it because you talked about the Uzi 9mm. And I think that that gun in particular becomes a staple of his next few films. Mm, okay. Well, we'll but see. Maybe it's just because it's the cool gun at, of the times, you know. They When they had their initial meeting, obviously Arnie was, was a success at the time. And he was doing Destroyer at the time as well. And Cameron met with him and Cameron wanted him for the Terminator and Arnold wanted to be Kyle Reese because he wanted to be the good guy. Oh, wow. And because Arnie <laughs> didn't, uh, sorry, because Jim Cameron didn't want to insult him or scare him off or anything like that, he was very polite and agreeing with him and all of this. But they subsequently both left that lunch, both thinking, I, you know, I've got to get the part of the Terminator for this guy, basically. Wow, really? So what? So what Jim Cameron did was he went back to his studio and because he's an artist, he painted a design of the Terminator that was half Arnie's face and half the endoskeleton. Wow. Um, which became, you know, some of the promotional material for this and yeah. Terminator 2. Yeah. Uh, but he sent it to Arnie's office and Arnie just looks in and goes, I have to play this part. <laughs> I am the Terminator. There you go. I mean, that... That's beautiful. It's nice to hear you say it because that really hits home what we've been saying about Arnold Schwarzenegger being the Terminator. He really is the Terminator. There is nobody else who would be the Terminator. And it also speaks to his own awareness of his career at that time and how he wants to propel it and how he wants to move forward. Which again, it's like we see why he's such a success, generally speaking, regardless of what he's put his hand to. He's been successful. I think it's back to something that we, we've said very early on. It's his work ethic. 
his stay hungry work ethic and that he'll keep working at something at this stage of his career and with stories like that it shows that he's not just going along with the machine that's moving him or the the pr necessarily that's going to move him or doing whatever's right for whatever anybody says is right he's got his own ideas about way how he wants to propel his career but he's also going to listen to people as well um, and he can be talked around as you've clearly seen he's he didn't destroy his career by not listening to the people around him which is what a lot of people do do you have any other favorite lines uh I, they've been said already so it's just move it reese on your feet soldier for me is probably one of my favorite lines in the film just because of what it represents and also you're terminated fucker that's good it's really good and i wrote another little note saying alien it really reminded me of alien that bit so when is alien by the way in, in context alien was it was 1979, so it was a few years before yeah. this. So there's something a uh, lot about that menacing part where it's very similar to the, the bit where the alien is right up close to... Um, but I think what's curious about this face. is uh, what we've already said about the arc of um, Sarah Connor is another thing that I love about James Cameron is he knows how to write women. And the next film that he did after this was Aliens. And he took what Ripley became Aliens. at the end of Alien. Aliens. And he turned her into, I mean, this brilliant, great warrior, but also a really motherly figure. And yeah. he, yeah. Cameron knows how to blend the feminine, not not just create a woman, uh, sorry, a man without balls, which is what a lot of strong women yeah, are in yeah. films. He he can create these warrior women who are strong, but also maternal and, and feminine. And, yeah. Really, I mean, even to an extent, Jamie Lee Curtis's character in True Lies, I think, is is interesting from that point of view as well. Yeah. Um, my favorite line, I have to say, I, I I love Arnie's moments in it. Fuck you, asshole, and wrong, and all of that. And obviously, I'll be back. But I think the the best line in the film is, and it's Michael Biehn's delivery of it as well, is where Sarah Connor does think he's crazy and she's trying to get out of the car, and he just grabs her and he says. That Terminator is out there. Yeah. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's what gets around. And, you know, he, he really hits at home with the menace and the urgency. And she says straight away after that, can you, can you kill it? With these weapons, yeah. I don't know. And then it kind of, but then the, the so the performance takes a turn a little bit there, and that's why I sort of it's a bit touch and go for Michael Biehn. Not faulting the performance as a whole in any way, but there are some moments where it's like, eh. I mean, I've not seen much of Michael Biehn and other things. Uh, the Abyss is he in that? Yeah, he's really yeah. good in the Abyss. Yeah, actually, he's yeah. good in that. Right, ranking number one, man. Straight yeah, away, number, number one. one. It, it, no way can I put anything above this so far. I can't. And yeah, I know that either. you're going to be pushed to put anything above it from now on. You, you've been pretty clear about that. And I'm in doubt. Yeah, um, I think there's only, from where I am now, two or three possible contenders. Yeah, and I'm in the same boat, except I'm pretty convinced that those two or three will go above this. Okay. I'd be very surprised if this isn't top three, though. I genuinely think it's one of his best films. I think it's a, a massive statement of intent from James Cameron. And I, I, I genuinely think it's... If it's not his best performance, it's, for good reason, his most iconic character. 
So yeah, Agreed. in terms of in terms of Arnie films, it's really really tough to beat. Agreed, and he but, he capitalizes on it from this point onwards in his career. Yeah, there's I mean really we you know we've been talking about this this golden period of his, but really the next films that come through are more fun than anything else, and it's until we get to Predator, I don't think there's anything that can rival this for sheer quality. There are films that are definitely more fun than this. And there are certainly films that have more iconic, more quotable lines in them. But this is through and through a great movie. Uh, Agreed. I said masterpiece at the beginning. Do you concur? It's definitely a five-star movie. Yeah, I I can't really disagree with you. I wouldn't... Again, this is regardless of content. You You might not like this kind of movie, but it is... So no, well no, for, put together. For, yeah, for what it yeah. is, it's almost flawless. Yeah. And yeah, I, no, I'm not, not going to argue with you. It's not Titanic, right? But as well put together. What's that face for? Um, Ben's making a scowly, frowny face. Yeah, I can't tell if you're sort of being ironic or not when you say it's not Titanic. No, not at all. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that off the back of my comment saying one might not like the content of this movie. It's not your kind of thing. That's fine. But it's still a good movie regardless. And when mm. I said there are people who love Titanic, it's their favourite film of all time, who would not necessarily love The Terminator. I think you'd have a harder case saying that Titanic is a masterpiece than you would this. Very interesting point. And all the more reason to give Terminator a go. Uh, actually, one one final point um, that I did not expect, and I'm almost ashamed to admit it. But when... In the very last scene, Sarah is talking into the recorder for her unborn son, and she's she doesn't know how to talk about Kyle. We go right into a close-up on Linda Hamilton, and she says, All I can tell you is that in the few hours we spent together, we loved a lifetime's worth. Mm-hmm. I welled up a little bit. Uh, yeah. Okay. I think it's a really beautiful line. It is. I mean, again, the... In- the intention of the romance here is solid in, in the script. I do have to say that although they did their best with it, the chemistry's ever so slightly lacking. But yeah, it's b- not completely them. convincing. That yeah. I do have to say that. And as much as I love this film, that was one of the things. The love story is a bit weak. The th- the, but you're right. The sentiment is beautiful. You know, the line, like, I travelled across time for you, Sarah, and whatever. And it's very romantic in that sense. And if that kind of thing moves you, then... It's gonna it's gonna do that a little bit in this film, regardless of the performance quality. However, one of the my main points about romance is that it has to be believable for it mm. to be really effective. And unless you're in the, the mood for it, that line won't necessarily pull you. But clearly Ben's in a sentimental mood. I, I'm a t I am just a big sentimental sap. I cry at everything. So yeah, as do I. It, it's not a stamp of quality to no. say I welled up at it. I have cried at zombie movies. <laughs> I have I've cried at a national lottery advert one time. <laughs> so yeah, really. Yeah, I'm I'm not different. I wouldn't I can't claim to be any different. I cry I cry at lots of things. Um so um clearly because this has gone to the top for both of us, um one of the films has to leave the top three. I think our top threes are exactly the same now, are they? Well yes is true. The Jane Mansfield story has left mine, and Stay Hungry has Stay left Hungry's yours. Stay Hungry's dropped out of yeah. mine, yeah. So our top three are... At, at three. three! Pumping Iron. At, at two. two! Conan the Bee. And, and straight, straight in at number one! 
Terminator. So there we go. What's next? What what has a chance at joining those three movies? It has a chance, yeah. Albeit a slim one. Every film has a chance. Yeah, agreed. Collateral damage has a is chance. It, is it in with a chance? Well, don't That's spoil a different it. Different question. Don't spoil it. No spoiling. No spoiling. Um, Red Sonia. Spoiler. It doesn't have a chance. <laughs> yes, the 1985, Sonia. I think, Red Sonia film directed by... Richard Fleischer. So that's what we'll be watching next. Join us for that, please. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, we're quietly hopeful. Very quietly. So until then, I guess that's it. Wrong. No sequel for you. <laughs> bye. 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 <laughs> Asshole. Hello. If you've been moved by any of the issues raised in this week's show, or you'd like to offer us some abusive comments of your own or maybe even a list of your favourite Arnold Schwarzenegger films, you can email us at thearnithology at gmail.com. Or, if you're Facebook, you can go to Facebook forward slash thearnithology. Didn't see that coming. If you're a Twitterer, find us on Twitter, at thearnithology. Or you can visit our website, www.thearnithology.com. Arnithology.com. Thanks for listening.